Hello and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by ConvenienceStore.co.uk, Lumina Intelligence and The Grocer. Every four weeks, our experts will be dissecting the key trends impacting the UK convenience retail sector, sharing exclusive insight and the latest news coverage straight to your ears. Whether you work on the shop floor or in a head office, this podcast will provide you with actionable insights and best-in-class examples from across a thriving convenience sector. As always, please don't forget to subscribe via Apple or Spotify. You wouldn't want to miss an episode. My name is Blonnie Whist and I am Head of Insight at Lumina Intelligence. Over the coming weeks and months, we have some really exciting topics and trends to sink our teeth into, but I couldn't possibly do this alone. I am delighted to be joined by my fantastic co-host, Aidan Fortune. Hi, Blonnie. Thanks for having me on. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Aidan Fortune, editor of ConvenienceStore.co.uk, and I'm delighted to be here. And Ronan Hegarty. Hi, Blonnie. Yep, Ronan Hegarty here, news editor at The Grocer, and yeah, looking forward to cracking on. Today, we focus on the lasting legacies of 2020, including the suburban migration, online revolution and recessionary revival. We'll lay open exactly how we think these trends will shape the year ahead for UK convenience retail and the impact on shopper behavior that will be huge and present a new suite of opportunities for both retailers and suppliers. But before we dive in, in late 2020 slash early 21, we've already seen a bang following the news that best way wholesale is to acquire cost cutter. So who wants to kick us off and share their views on the impact that this could have? It's a really fascinating deal. Um, We thought that a couple of years ago, we saw loads of consolidation in the convenience market. Tesco Booker prompted that. Then we saw NYSA being bought up by the co-op, co-op supplying uh, cost cutter. And we've seen McCall's gain supply by Morrison's. And so that all happened a few years ago and uh, things have sort of been calm for a while. But yeah, best way taking uh, taking cost cutter on is uh, is quite the surprise. It's uh, it's a really interesting deal, especially as uh, the deal sees cost cutter supply arrangement with co-op being extended until 2026 which is really strange, a wholesaler buying a convenience chain and not supplying it. So it'll be really interesting to see how it all pans out. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's quite interesting. I, I spoke to a lot of cost-cutter retailers when this deal was announced, and their main concern was the supply deal, as Ronan you know, uh, explained. But, um, I mean, is five years enough to get the, uh, the, the Best Ways current own label range up to what the co-op currently offers? Um, it's... It, you know, it could be a bit of an ask for them. It certainly could. Um, I, and I wonder even if they actually even will. I think at some stage they might just look to some sort of long-term deal with whether it be the co-op or even another major supermarket's own label because I, I get the sense that own label development isn't something they're going to be too too keen on. Um, but at some stage they will certainly want to start supplying cost cutter 1,600 stores with, you know, all the other um, groceries and alcoholic drinks and various other things. So, uh, yeah, it'll be really fascinating to see how it pans out. But I think at least it buys them some time to, to get all their ducks in a row over the next five years. 
a really interesting development. And we highlighted the key trends in the Lumina Intelligence Future of Convenience Report, and that's provided a bit of inspiration for our discussion today. So we'll talk about the most significant changes that have taken place in the UK and all the ways that this could affect retailers, shoppers and suppliers. And most importantly, I think you'll agree, we have the suburban migration. So the coronavirus pandemic has undoubtedly caused a rise in home working, local living and increasingly people are chasing outdoor space. So we're seeing a mass exodus from cities, but how do we see this playing out in convenience? Well, I think um, I think it really all started with the actual onset of the of the crisis itself. Um, we saw you know supermarket shelves up and down the country completely stripped bare as panic buying um, just kicked in. People went a bit crazy, and so people turned to their local convenience store to keep them supplied. And in those first few weeks. Um, a lot more people who probably didn't either visit their convenience store regularly or even at all before suddenly find that these were great stores right on their doorstep and uh, really, really good to serve them. So um, we, we saw huge spikes in sales across the convenience sector from then, but those have continued. And, you know, even the latest Cantar figures for the 12 weeks, the 26th of January show that convenience and symbol groups sales were up 20%. And they actually account for 12.9% of the entire grocery market share, which is a really, really high bar for them compared to what it might have been, let's say, two, three years ago. So it's been a huge shift. And it's one that, um, I know all sort of convenience operators, symbol operators are keen to make sure that they can they can keep it as the years go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, there's been some real winners and losers, uh, unfortunately. I mean, the winners have been the stores in, in the communities that are near to, near to people who are working from home now. Um, and because people aren't maybe traveling into town centers, um, these town center stores have seen a decline. But has maybe lockdown restrictions relaxed and we go back to what, Ever normal was before, um, I think people will still use the community stores. The um, the up uptake in sales has continued. Um, they, you know, it's not the same level as it was in March uh, twenty twenty, but it's still strong. And then, if you'd asked retailers two years ago, you know, a 15 percent increase in sales year on year, they would have taken that. Absolutely, and I, I think that again started back to the, the the days of panic buying when supplies came under pressure, um, even in convenience and traditional sort of wholesalers struggled as well. So a lot of very um, entrepreneurial um, retailers were, were very quick to scan their local areas, local communities for new supply deals, new agreements with local producers, artisan producers who could suddenly step in and fill the breach. And those relationships have continued. And um, I think it's been one of the real successes of the response from the convenience industry to the crisis that it's actually enabled a lot of uh, new relationships, new partnerships with, uh, with new suppliers and serving you know, the local community that way. I definitely fall into that group of using convenience stores more. There's a store near me that I didn't even know existed. And I think local products is also so relevant to them. I think that with a local store, you've got so much more space to, to stock a range that's really means something to the local community. And a huge number of consumers 
actually find that incredibly important. I think it's about eight in 10 consumers say it's important to support local suppliers and local retailers. And I think that you just really have so much more scope to do that when you're serving a community really well. And Mid-Counties Co-op just really showed us how that can, that can work so well. I think over their Christmas period, they introduced a lot more locally sourced Christmas products. They were looking at things like local cheese from Gloucester. Um, and I think they also did really well with English sparkling wine. I think they saw almost 10% like for like growth over that Christmas period and almost tripled their English sparkling wine sales. So it shows that that consumer demand is really there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And and consumers, they wanted a treat over Christmas. Um, It's been a miserable year and I think they're willing to pay a little bit extra for something that's local and premium and the retailers are seeing the benefit. And do we think this effect will will last? I mean, I definitely know that I'm one of the thousands of people who's moving out of my small London flat and maybe thinking about something that's a little bit more suburban with a home office. And with that, I'm going to be buying food to go, maybe more for my local convenience store. Absolutely. It's, and the, the working practices, they're going to be, it's going to be blended now. I mean, even when everything returns back to the way it was before or what, what the new normal will be, people are gotten used to working from home and companies are more receptive to maybe working two days in the office, working three from home, uh, the other way around, whatever. So there's going to be an opportunity. And also if customers know that these shops are nearby and they have the range, there's also the weekends when people are at home. So yeah, I, I definitely think this is definitely, it, it, it's here to stay, this trend. Definitely. I think another aspect of spending more time at home is the number of new pets and animals that we've seen. So in our latest research, we found that 12% of the UK have added a new pet to their household since the first national lockdown. That's, that's very interesting. I don't have a pet myself, but um, I did see some Ipsos research, Ipsos Mori research, saying that 37% of pet owners who have worked from home due to lockdown say they have a closer relationship with their pet than before. So they're going to be spending a bit more money, a bit you know, pampered pooches equals uh, premium produce. Wow. Well, I, I spoke to one retailer who he said that uh, the, the consumer, the customer, they were buying the, the value ranges for themselves um, and the premium ranges for their pet. And they were, they were you know, that's, that's where the money's going. So they're, <laughs> they're skimping with their, on, their own, on their own dinner, but not the pets. It's quite interesting. 100%. I don't think we've even seen the meaning of premium pet care yet. My friends who have got pets, they're buying only organic pet food products. It's sea, seaweed infused, ultra healthy. Uh, it's kind of the Chateaubriand of, of pet food. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're spending £25 a month on a subscription woof woof pet box for different toys to keep their pets engaged. It's kind of next level spending. And and I think that it's the kind of spend that would maybe more traditionally lend itself to online only. And I think that convenience really needs to insert itself in on that because people are spending more time at home, more likely to impulse buy these kind of products. I think that convenience really needs to establish itself early in this growing trend. Absolutely, Blani. Uh, the, the number of retailers have seen who they had a very kind of ad hoc online offering. Um, 
they've they've upped their game in the last even the last few months um as we've kind of gotten used to to lockdowns um, they've increased uh, the professionalism of their service um, and if they're investing in it at this point they see it as something that's here to stay they wouldn't be they wouldn't be wasting their time doing this um, so yeah i think you're absolutely right they need to just maybe step it up a little bit more and get the marketing out there um, but it's the number of retailers it's, it's fantastic how they've embraced online and be more agile about it than you know than, than some of their, their competitors I think, um, as you say, um, on on pet care, that's that, that's clearly a category that you know would never have been a particularly big focus for convenience retailers. There's the, the, the on, there's actual specialists that that cover that. There's the supermarkets with you know entire pet food aisles dedicated to them. But um, you know, it's just a sign of the, the times that um, everything's changed and everything's to play for now in convenience and. Uh, where retailers uh, have been really stripping out range, focusing on, you know, high value food to go sales for the last, you know, probably a decade. They've been, um, you know, valuing every single product that comes into the store and does it sell enough? Is it selling through quickly enough? And do therefore do I need it? Now, you know, the categories that previously just weren't that big a deal for convenience, even core dry groceries, are now very much very back in play. And it's things like household cleaning, it's um, it's laundry, it's personal care. I mean, people previously in convenience would only have had, you know, little emergency one, two lines in each category. But now I think people really, um, you know, they don't want to visit the big supermarkets as much. And so they will be doing more of their general shopping in a convenience store. And all of these categories are now really back in play. It's just, you know, something you just wouldn't have considered, you know, just a couple of years ago. It's one of the ways that convenience is changing in response to different consumer behaviours and different consumer demands. But I think it's impossible to forget that this is all happening against a really harsh backdrop. So as you know, the UK entered a recession for the first time in 11 years in August 2020. So retailers and suppliers are going to have to contend with savvier shopping behaviours and also trying to balance that with these newly acquired shoppers. So they've got these new shoppers in who have discovered the local convenience store for the first time. So the big challenge for convenience retailers in 2021 is going to be retaining these shoppers. And how do you think retailers can do that? Well, um, as we, I mean, our label is key for this um, and offering offering value that way. Um, we've seen some of the, the dis- discount ranges that have entered in convenience, um, Jack's, Honest. Um, and as we've already mentioned, the, you know, the, about the recent uh, Best Way cost cutter deal and um, some of the concerns surrounded on label, label availability. Um, but it's also important to remember while we're facing financial uncertainty, it's um, it's not just those who are struggling who will be looking to cut their spending. Um, people who have the money are also entitled to look for bargains. Um, and the discount supermarkets have taken away the stigma of own label. So I think this um, I think own label is going to be a key weapon in the war to retain shoppers and it's just displaying that value on a regular basis via you know promotions and the core value ranges that they stock in their stores. Yeah, I think the uh... The introduction of different tiers, different own label ranges, whether it's, you know, 
not just premium, but now looking at economy products, it really does represent a, quite an existential challenge to many convenience retailers. Their mindset for years has been um, making sure every line they sell has a very strong um, profit on return. So a real, a real key profitability factor has been, you know, the real reason why they sell any particular product. And uh, now, with the fact that they are now trying to bring in these new customers to try to keep hold of these new customers and these are customers that are used to the discounters they're used to supermarkets they're used to having a mixture of all of these different tiers as well as branded products in their in their trolleys and convenience retailers really need to do the same they need to realize that they're going to have to sell more lines that aren't as profitable as some of the key big branded lines that they've always used to um, but it's going to keep their customers happy. It's going to give their customers the choice they need. And across the the piece, what these shoppers shopping there, shopping more often and buying more from them ultimately will be the thing that keeps them in good stead rather than necessarily trying to squeeze every bit of profitability out of every line. I agree. But I don't think it's going to be easy for most retailers because there's already this consumer perception that prices are so inflated in convenience. So if the vast majority now are saying that they're more careful with what they spend their money on than before lockdown began, and actually two in three said that they were even more aware of product prices. So there is much, much more scrutiny, and it's an area that consumers already perceive convenience to be weaker at. So there's, in general, about a 20% price premium that's perceived in the consumer's mind compared to supermarket prices. And as we're getting sort of more cost aware, more price conscious, I think there is a risk that lots of consumers would default into supermarkets just from this fear of increased prices. And on Aidan's point around own label, we've actually seen that in our convenience data as well. So own label purchasing increased by six percentage points in 2020. And the thing that we're hearing time and time again is that it's that premium own label, as you said, that that can really fill that gap between wanting a premium product, but at a price that you know is is in line with other products. And just because consumers are maybe more price conscious, it doesn't stop them from wanting these aspirational products. It's just that they might have to try and seek out the same thing at a lower price point. Yeah, and people are looking, I mean, they're looking for that treat. They maybe not be able to afford a, you know, look, look, they might be, wary of booking a holiday and I appreciate like you know a nice meal isn't a replacement for a holiday but they're looking to spend their money what money they do have in a premium way as a treat because they've maybe had a rough year or it's it's a rough week a rough month so that's where the premium on label can really come into play where it's like they know they'll treat themselves and we saw that recently over Valentine's Day. Yeah I think uh, it's really important that you know retailers are really able to offer their customers, you know, proper pro- proper treats, proper something that they can buy to that to, that give them that bit of excitement. I think it's really really key. Um, you know, it's not just they're they're not just there to simply give them an opportunity to fill their grocery baskets every week. You know, there has to be an element of you know giving them some excitement, bringing them something new, bringing them something different, and you know, making them think, oh, yeah, I'll go down to my local shop because that's where I can get some really, really great stuff. Valentine's Day is a great example. I think that 
it was just a huge national focus really and even in hospitality where so many of these venues are shut lots of them are doing sort of delivery meal kits um, and really ways to sort of add experience to what is an at-home occasion and I think that any way that convenience can kind of tap into some of that inspiration is going to be a real win. I'm feeling bad now. I didn't do anything for Valentine's Day, so I'm starting to feel guilty about it. Given given how much I've seen <laughs> on about on Twitter and various other things, I'm now thinking maybe I should have. Another trend that we highlighted in the report was expanding avenues. So we saw this year has just really accelerated new routes to market, and consumers have shifted more towards online. And I think the retailers have really jumped on this opportunity to innovate. But maybe my question is, has this gone as far as it can? Definitely not. Uh, some some top retailers um, that we're speaking to, they're still taking their first steps into online. Um, and these are experienced retailers who know their business and their customers. And if they didn't think it was worth getting onto online now, they wouldn't be doing it. Um, it's important to remember that in March of last year, as Ronan has mentioned, it was chaos. Availability was sketchy, panic buying was in full force, and delivery slots weren't scarce supply. And convenience retailers had to move quickly. They didn't have time to create websites. Um, they were just more concerned about making the deliveries. Um, now it's time to level up. Um, they've had time to breathe, to get the, possibly the weirdest summer out of the way, and introduce more professional services. Um, and it's important to remember as consumers, we've changed as well. Um, previously, I would have been hesitant to order online from a my convenience store. But I mean, last weekend, I uh, got up, no milk or bread in the house for breakfast. Um, and by the, times I, by the time I've gotten the kids ready to get dressed to go to the shop, it would have been lunchtime. So it was quicker, less hassle to order on Deliveroo. And because I was doing that and I committed to that order, I spent another five, ten pounds on top of the bread and milk and chocolate biscuits. Um, just to all make it worthwhile and pay for the privilege, and that's that's nothing to do with COVID. That's that's a per that's a personal situation, and that, that may happen again. So that's I'm just one shopper who's changed my my buying habits, and I think many many orders have changed. So online ordering is only going to grow. Oh. You're in good company, actually. About a fifth of people have changed their primary method of food shopping to online in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's just completely changed. I mean, as Ian's quite rightly said, a lot of these retailers did it out of necessity. They were filling filling a gap and filling a void, and actually com doing a brilliant service for their local communities in the in the initial sort of pandemonium. But uh, you know, you look at some of the retailers that the success they've enjoyed, and they've, that that success continued all year. And people who may have forget, begun shopping with them out of necessity are now loyal regular customers so uh, you know you've got the likes of Gary Batten uh, a nicer retailer down there in, in Cornwall again very much started at the height of the pandemic doing it as a sort of community service and just a couple of weeks ago did his 10,000th delivery so um, there's the, the, what started as, as one thing is is clearly developing into a into a really fully fledged service and it, it's Consumers are expecting that, that these services are available. Like Ian said, it's it's something that more and more consumers will be expecting, and more and more will choose to do because it's just it's the ultimate convenience. And availability has gone through the roof. I think you'll be aware of the Snappy Shopper app. 
Um, before the coronavirus pandemic, that was available from 40 stores. And now that's risen to, I think, over 650 stores. So it's just explosive, really. And I guess the ways that retailers can win with this, there's so much room for creativity here. I've seen um, increasing bundle boxes, which we're hearing from consumers that they're extremely open to. I think one in three would be open to buying a bundle box for convenience. And there are so many ways that you can do that. Maybe that's a, a fake away, um, a kind of hospitality replica. And Big Night In is one of the top occasions for, for this new world of lockdown. I think there's a great opportunity for retailers there. I think I think that's um, that idea of the takeaway and the, the the retailer developing into something that they they previously weren't is really interesting. You know, you look at um, Justin Whitaker at MJ's up, up in Oldham. You know, a fantastic food to go operator. You know, incredible stuff that he's he's achieved over the years. But food to go isn't where it's at right now, and he's basically switched his entire food to go up for in store into an online delivery offer and he's selling you know 45 percent more than he was before um things like um pizzas curly fries burgers um you know he's, he's doing a lot out there and it's 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 that inspiration it's that agility it's everything that makes good convenience retailers good in the first place that will see them through this uh, this sort of new chapter and, and and launching online and making excessive online Interesting that you mentioned pizza as well. Through pretty much all our data sources, we're seeing a huge boom in pizza, whether that's people buying um, premium at-home pizza or buying a pizza from uh, a food service outlet and then eating that on the go or on a in a park when that was all we were allowed to do. And I think that's really tied with what I see as a premiumization opportunity. So 27% of consumers say they would replace takeaways with on-demand convenience. So I think on-demand convenience has this real opportunity to disrupt that takeaway occasion, which is just such a huge industry. Absolutely. It's the perception of value, isn't it? Um, it, it, it seems cheaper compared to the, the takeaway, but it's a premium price for the retailer. So it's a great opportunity for these retailers. Yeah, and... The thing is, um, there was a perception that because everyone's working from home and not going to the office anymore, that they'd have all this extra time. There'd be loads more scratch cooking. And, and that has its place, certainly. But I don't know about you, but uh, I'm just as busy as I ever was. And uh, sometimes in the evenings, you still don't have time to make a meal. So whether that's, you know, phoning a pizza from, you know, your local local pizzeria or, you know, getting something br- quick and easy delivery from your convenience store it's, it's all there for the taking really i'd like to see more in the way of maybe food service partnerships um, and this increasing hybridization and especially in the last year so many hospitality venues have had to find new routes to market and new ways of getting their products out whether it's through nationwide delivery or whether it's through kind of functioning as a sort of bodega but they're looking a lot more into retail and so I feel like they've set up a lot of effort into how the packaging could work how the product would transport and so maybe there are a couple of a couple of steps along the way of thinking how these products could move into convenience or more traditional retail spaces.
but there's an opportunity for retailers to reach out to maybe local restaurants in their area to uh, they can partner up that way. So they, there's a combination of local restaurants and local convenience stores for our local communities. Now, to bring all of this together, if we're thinking about the rest of 2021, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to retailers who are preparing for the next year? I would advise uh, retailers just take the best ideas from as many sources as possible and use what works for you. Um, it could be other convenience retailers, speak to them, have a look at what the multiples are doing or completely different sectors. Um, steal, steal the best ideas and apply them to your own business and to your customers and make it work for you. Um, last year was the time to get customers in your store and um, this is the year to try new things. Um, Retailers are all saying they're going to have to work harder this year and work harder. Working harder may mean researching what else is out there. So I think it's 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 carrying on a little bit with Ian's just point there. It's it's bringing that magic um, to to the offer. I think people have had a really tough time over 10, 11 months um, and people want excitement they want something different they want to break from the norm so um whether it's those really um great partnerships they can do with a local restaurant whether it's you know little startups that they can bring into their business to to offer treats and something different make it just something that's local and can't be done at the big supermarkets um you know ultimately it's about knowing your customers and making sure that you're you're, you're providing what they need when they need it but also giving them something different. I completely agree with that. I would say just be open to a little bit of a shake-up. I think that we've seen lifestyles change in such a fundamental way. We're seeing new categories. So maybe it's having an open mind and, and just really rolling with the punches of the year ahead. Well, that brings us to a close of the first ever episode of the Convenience Mix podcast brought to you by convenienceStore.co.uk, Lumina Intelligence and The Grocer. We hope you've enjoyed listening and found the content valuable. Don't forget to subscribe via your preferred podcast streaming platform to stay updated. Join us next month where we'll be discussing home delivery and how retailers can get ahead in this exciting and evolving market.